and it's a big part of the reason we wanted to build comps because all these systems that were built out there for employee perks for recognition, if it's giving something that is either monetary or a monetary equivalent, employees owe taxes on it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Leading from Afar, a podcast by remote leaders for remote leaders, aimed at sharing knowledge and experience to help make remote awesome within your companies. I'm Scott Markovitz. I was the first hire at Envision and helped build the foundations of the company for marketing, sales, product, operations, and pretty much everything between. I've also mentored and consulted with hundreds of early stage startups, including a bunch of remote ones. Each episode, we'll speak about hot topics, trends, and the future of remote work. We'll also interview some super smart leaders at all levels of remote teams and introduce you to new tools that can help you succeed as a remote leader. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into the new season of the show. We're super excited to be back for season two. This is going to be an awesome season where we're going to cover lots of fantastic topics like benefits for remote teams and how important community building is within remote work, hiring asynchronously, and a lot more. So I'm your host, Scott Markovitz. I'm happy to report that Tevi, my co-pilot, recently took a job leading product at AppSumo. And he's also getting ready to launch a big side project. So I'm going solo this season. Today, I'm joined by Amy Sperling, who's a co-founder and CEO of Compt, a startup creating a benefits as a service platform, helping remote teams personalize their benefits offering to ensure that they're actually being used and they're valuable to each member on the team. In this episode, we're going to dive into how companies should be designing and updating their benefits packages for the future of work. Very much focused on the idea of stipends on specific topics like health. Now, you might be thinking, why exactly is that important? In the U.S., all health insurance is private, and it can be quite expensive for a good plan, at least $1,000 for a family plan. But in countries in Europe, Israel, and some other places, offer socialized healthcare, and the cost is obviously significantly less. So how can a company be fair and offer value to employees in both locations? We'll also speak about how many benefits are actually taxable to the company and employees. Surprisingly, even things like including access to a mental health mobile app. So much goodness in this episode. So without further ado, here we go. Hey, Amy, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Ah, it's our pleasure. How's everything on the East Coast of the U.S. Uh, these days? Gorgeous fall day here, so no complaints. Very nice. I see a little bit of sun uh, behind you, so hopefully it's a nice uh, sunny day as it is uh, over here. Awesome. So before we dive into the topic, which uh, is today going to be about benefits, especially for remote teams, is the first episode of the new season. We're going to try out a couple new ideas that we've had in mind for the new show. So please bear with us as we run into it. So the first is picking off something that's been in the news the last couple of weeks around remote work, just to share some ideas. So something that popped into my head, what came out of the Facebook outage about two weeks ago. So certainly if you were alive two weeks ago, you noticed that Facebook went down for a couple of hours. Part of the blame of why the time was so long to get it back up was because of work from home, which seems absolutely outlandish and just ridiculous to me. But I wanted to get your thoughts of any truth to that, or is it just completely ridiculous? 
I'm not, I don't work at Facebook, so I have no idea what their internal systems look like, but I find that very hard to believe that it's because people were distributed. I don't work at Facebook. I have no idea what their systems or their software looks like on the inside. So I suppose it's possible. Yeah. Two of the things that, that jumped out at me in the, the various articles were number one, the downtime started at 8.30 a.m. local time. I've been working in the mm -hmm. tech startups for almost 10 years. I don't know if there's right. any tech startup that starts their day at 8.30 in the morning. Plus the fact that people apparently were locked out of the building. So it seems to me that right. if you were actually working at home, you wouldn't have been just sitting there in the parking lot not being able to do anything. So probably work from home would have been a benefit potentially to help right. troubleshoot this issue and not be locked out. And the second thing that jumped out at me was the fact that nobody in the team could communicate because they were using an internal Facebook communication collaboration tool that obviously sat on their internal servers that were down, which again, if you right. were doing a remote the right way, potentially using a Slack right. or a Microsoft Teams or some kind of cloud-based software, even if they had their own right. product on the cloud, this issue wouldn't have happened that people would have been able to collaborate. And Facebook, historically, like each app is run separately anyways. It's not like it's one platform where everything is hanging off of it. So that to me is very strange. It wasn't just Facebook. It was also Instagram and WhatsApp. Like they all went down, whereas they're not all, it's my understanding, built the same, like yep. their own individual products. So that's a little strange to me. And then with the collaboration tools, it's not, this is not one end to end platform is my understanding. So how all of that went down at the same time is a little odd. Yeah, makes sense to me. So let's dive in. Best place to start is tell us a little bit more about yourself and the origin story of Compt. Sure. So I am a three-time former CFO. So I've been in the tech industry for about 20 years helping other founders build and scale their companies. So I've been part of six companies prior to this in that finance or operations type role, which means I got this amazing front seat to watching how HR was changing over the last 20 years as well. So when I started, it was very much when you think about compensation, negotiate your salary, you should be happy you're getting paid, sit there, don't talk to anybody kind of environment. It was very employer centric and that has certainly shifted. And I believe for the better over the last 20 years, where now it's very employee-centric. When we think about compensation, just focusing on tech for a little bit, about 80% of your compensation is your salary and your health insurance in the U.S. It's that last 20% where companies start differentiating from each other because everyone can Google their salary range. So with that shift, companies needed to find new ways to stand out with employees. Silicon Valley went crazy bananas with all kinds of perks and they were notorious for it. And then everyone followed suit and it became a big fat mess. So the more stuff you bring in, the less people use anything you bring in, think dog walking or dry cleaning or the gym reimbursement or the whatever, less than 10% of your team's going to use it. So very inefficient, doesn't get great employee engagement and it's very expensive and none of it was taxed correctly. So just compounding issues. And so I got really frustrated because my team was demanding personalization as they rightly should. Everybody wanted something different, but I couldn't do that at scale. 
and I couldn't do that and be budget compliant and tax compliant, and I couldn't do that and support my international teams. So that's where I wanted to start Comp. I was waiting for someone to build this platform, and finally I was just like, look, if nobody else is going to do it, I'm going to go build it because I need this thing to be able to solve these problems within teams because it's such a critical piece, a component of the compensation stack for employees and how you differentiate as a company. Yeah, that kind of leads me perfectly right on to my starting off question from a holistic view, what should be the purpose of a the benefits package that a, a company looks to? I think of, so looking at kind of benefits are usually like health insurance, 401k, highly regulated stuff, and then perks, the combination of the two should, in my opinion, be obviously supporting employees part of your overall compensation package. And honestly, like it's a very expensive portion of your compensation package. When you're looking at health insurance in particular, the employee perks themselves though, they're a way for companies to differentiate. A tech company is a tech company is a tech company. And we all wanna believe that we're mission driven and that we have something different and we're solving some problem, which of course we are. But a lot of times it does come down to the environment the employees are working in and the culture that they want to work in. So companies can use that to say, hey, this is how we're different. We're family focused. We believe in supporting your wellness. We want to make sure that your remote work situation is a great one. So allowing companies to really differentiate and focus employee spend in that area. With employee perks, it shouldn't, in my opinion, just be a grab bag of stuff because that's really hard to navigate as an employee. So it's much more, it should be reinforcing a company's culture. If you have some core pillars of things that you believe in, the employee perks should support that. It shouldn't be your employee perks are not your culture. If they are, that's not gonna end well for you. So the employee perks should actually support the things that you believe in as a company, which is just gonna be this nice reinforcing factor with the employees because they'll feel supported in the way that also aligns with your culture. Interesting. As the world moves towards hybrid, remote, fully remote, and uh, more distributed uh, work, what does a world-class remote benefits package look like? It's seemingly different from when you had everyone in one location right. or one country or one city. Now that it's right. expanding, what does that world-class remote package look like? Yeah, I remember it used to be like working remote was a privilege. And so it was on you to have your own desk set up and whatever. And a company was like, hey, we're already going out of our way to be so generous as to let you use your own electricity and cell phone <laughs> and Wi-Fi. We're allowing you to Thank do you that. Much. Thank you very much. And by the way, we don't have to pay for an office for you, but that is your benefit. That's changed where companies are recognizing one, we can work fully remote. We've proven that for the last 20 months that you can do this and you can do it productively for certain types of jobs and industries. So it's not, it's no longer just like some privilege that a few people get. It's an expectation for a lot of employees. So as we move more towards that, companies are shifting the way they think about perks to be more like, it used to be like, hey, we offered a bunch of things in the office to keep you in the office. Lunch every day in the office, that is not a, hey, we want to be nice to our employees. That is, don't leave the building for the love of everything. I want you to stay here and yes. keep working. Like dinner yes, at 7 you. p.m., that was not to be nice to your employees. That was, please don't leave and go home. We want you to keep working. Like that has shifted though, thank goodness, because at the 
terrible thing to be doing to human beings, where it's how do I support you to be the most productive possible working from home? So that's where we're seeing a lot more remote stipends because it's virtually impossible to give a slate of vendors that is going to support your employees as they're all over the country, all over the world. There is no slate of vendors that's going to meet that need. So working with stipends, it's saying, all right, I don't know if you have a desk or a chair or a monitor or what it is that you want or what your house design is or any of that. Here as a new employee, here's a certain amount of money to get set up with the things that are missing that you need to upgrade, making sure your experience is really good. And then maybe an ongoing stipend as well that's looking at usually cell phone and internet for sure, covering those. But a lot of times it's covering some portion of wellness. It's maybe looking at family benefits, recognizing that people may have children that need they need coverage for, or they're taking care of parents, or they just need some more balance in their life. So it's supporting the fact that, hey, every human has a family. How do we support the fact that you as a human being have, a, you're not just a little work bot, you have other aspects to your life and how do we support that as a company? So looking at it in a much more holistic way, which allows for a lot more inclusivity and a lot more personalization for employees. Yeah. Before I get to that point, I'm definitely going to dive in and tackle the idea of the chef with ping pong table uh, and oh. things like that. That's something that's has, has bothered me and I've been thinking about for quite a while, yep. um, but we'll get that a little bit later, but certainly as remote grows and the teams now expand outside of just maybe one country, at least maybe just starting at the basic benefits that are offered in American standard of like health insurance and 401k and, and different things like that. Is it possible to have a one sized fit all now that you're expanding? across the world with different backgrounds, cultures, and even countries. You know, in the U.S., you obviously pay for health insurance versus in, in other countries like Israel right. and much of, much of Europe. You have socialized health care where right. maybe you don't need to pay at all or you pay a smaller amount. Is there any way to make everybody happy with a, I'll call it like a one-size-fit-all type of um, approach, even trying to focus it for the global community? I think yes and no. So one size fits all if you tried to make everyone have the same program as the U.S. or the same program as any other country, it's not going to work because there are geographical differences, like you called out. There are different compulsory benefits in different countries in Europe. There's different hours of the day that you can and can't work in countries like France. The concept of part-time isn't really a thing in France. Neither is an 80-hour work week. So you can't just say, hey we're Americans and everybody is now going to work in a way that we've suddenly decided is a global way of working. That's not a thing. And you're going to end up blowing up your company if you do that. What you can yep. do in a, a more inclusive way is say, hey, what we want to support is something like wellness. We want to support our employees' wellness that's core to our kind of culture and our beliefs globally and keep it at that level or family, or we want you to you know, be able to travel or all kinds of different things that you could do. That way, I said, let's just focus on the, the wellness piece for a minute. If you say, hey, globally we support wellness, we've got employees in 13 different countries all over the world, we're gonna give you a certain amount of money for a certain time period, but as a local employee, you get to determine how that's used, which vendors you're using, what that means for you, how that integrates into your life, what your own wellness journey is, so you can create 
uh, it's not one size fits all because it allows for that personalization, but it's globally theme based. And that we've seen work very nicely for companies who tr are trying to bring some unification because it's so hard when you've got employees in so many different countries where there is so much localization happening that even just amounts of money, if you were offering $1,000 in the U.S. to an employee for a year, you go to other countries where the buying power for $1,000 is like 10x. Yeah. That's not yeah. equating it either. You need to look at what this looks like in local markets and and potentially adjust. And so it's figuring out how you want to approach that, but doing more thematic and having a global theme rather than saying, hey, we're going to support 24-hour fitness gym memberships globally. And you're like, thank you very much. That works in five cities in the U.S. To dive in a little bit more on the idea of personalization and saying that Comp is building a marketplace to give each individual the opportunity to personalize or customize the experience, what's best for them. When we spoke last time, I think we went into this, so I want to you know, try to bring it up here. Is there a fine line with that personalization? In some senses, it may be better for the company to choose something specific versus the individual. I think we may have spoken about last time. This is something that I've done with my teams. It's a set amount of money that's given as a, we'll call it gifting throughout the year. Instead of giving Noah a $500 mm -hmm. gift card, in one case, I sent somebody on a couple of wine tasting tours around Israel in this case, because I knew the person liked wine and we did a whole different production for that person. Is What is that feeling of, hey, I'm the company, I know you, Amy, like wine, you are into whatever it may be, and I'm going to gift you something very specific to you as the company is saying, hey, I know who you are, I want you to have this, versus here's $500 for a, a custom experience, now you have the opportunity to choose that. And you may absolutely choose the same thing, you know, the wine tasting tours right. or, or whatever it may be. Is there like that fine line where maybe the person choosing it themselves potentially doesn't have the same appreciation for it as if the company gave it to them themselves saying, hey, wow, the company really knows me and really appreciates giving me something very specific to me versus allowing me to mm -hmm. you know, choose what I want to choose. It, it's an interesting debate or, you know, conversation. I do want to clarify one thing. We aren't building a marketplace. We are not a marketplace. So no vendors on the platform. That's the only way we get to personalization. No marketplaces. No marketplaces. But going back to the rest of the conversation, I think it's rare that companies can actually at scale give meaningful gifts. What you end up finding is that there may be pockets of employers or pockets of managers that know their team well enough to be able to do that. But that is very rare. And even in the example you gave, that works if an employee's entire schedule, their family's schedule, when they can travel, who's got kid duty, who doesn't. Like, it gets very complicated. So even if they really mm. wanted that wine tour, if the yeah. kids aren't on vacation or there's not somebody to watch them, that gets very difficult to manage. And then you have to get way deep in your employees' lives to be able to be mm. like, this one weekend and this one month, we're sending you to go do that. You don't know when their mom's birthday is. Like, it is very difficult to, like, mm. actually do that in a way that gets all the way into an employee's life which is where most yeah. companies don't do that. And especially when you're looking at experiences. So 
Yeah. Classic example I've seen in a lot of companies is sports tickets. We have sports tickets to go see our concert tickets. That's really hard for a lot of people to actually be able to attend, even if they really wanted to. Life doesn't allow for that. So even though an employee may, in theory, want that, a lot of times it's a lot easier to actually take advantage of something and feel like it's meaningful and personalized if they can just manage it around their own schedule rather than you trying to do that. Imagine trying to do that at scale and you have, say, 10 you know, direct reports and then each of them has 10 direct reports and so on and so forth. Like your team's going to spend all of their time on gifting <laughs> instead of actually building it. I hear it. It's come to me. I've done this for a number of companies. I think back to the experience in the early days of Envision when I was somewhat mm -hmm. running this of two different experiences that I had. One on the side of giving the gift. We had a new hire who was from mm -hmm. somewhere in Canada, was a big, very big hockey fan. He had a birthday maybe two or three weeks after joining the company. And I bought him a, an autographed jersey of his favorite player. And for two That's years. All the time spoke about it. Wow, yeah. it's amazing. I love it. Here, yeah. take pictures. It was like in a yeah. glass frame on the wall. Right. And then on the other hand, once we've, I guess we may obviously be the issue of scaling or not having the team or the, the procedures and policies in place, then we use one of those tools, right. uh, the apps. I don't think it's in business anymore. Right. The company's giving you a hundred bucks here. You have a option of choosing uh, right. you know, a hammock or a wine set or whatever. Choose your own gift. And right. I got some stuff that I enjoyed. I still have the, yeah. a wine craft and, and some wine glasses that are on angle that tilt and everybody when sees them on the table, starts right. freaking out. They jump at trying to grab them because they think that the, right. the cup is falling over. So it's like a fun right. trick to play on somebody. But maybe in the actual gift itself where it's an item or an object or something like that. Is there maybe any difference of, again, that personal autographed hockey yeah. jersey from my favorite player versus oh, here's a hundred bucks and, and get something that you maybe you still enjoyed five years later. Well, there's, there's, two pieces there as well. One, I think if it's something where the employee really wants, I think that autograph journey, see, that's so cool. That's, that's awesome. And that's going to leave uh, a permanent impression on that employee. At scale, not every manager is going to do that. So if you have one manager in a company that is doing that and the other managers aren't, your system breaks. And most managers do not do that and don't get that far into the weeds. And you can't really legislate that. That doesn't work. So I think you're going to have, it breaks pretty quickly. You have this amazing manager who is coming up with really cool stuff and then everybody else gets not so much as part of the challenge. But I agree with you, just having a hundred bucks and going on what is essentially your credit card rewards points thing being like, all right, what's the thing I can get? That's a terrible experience. <laughs> and that's also why we're yeah. not building a marketplace. I'm not going to scroll and scroll to find the one thing that I now have to have mm. in my house that I didn't really need anyways. Yeah. That's not a great experience <laughs> either. I think the happy medium is doing things that are more thematic. And so allowing employees to determine for themselves how they want to be supported and whether that is a big grand gesture, a thing that they want to do, they want to do a trip or they want to like how they want to use their stipend versus something that maybe what they really need right then and there is just a babysitter for the night so they can get the heck out of the house. And so allowing for more of that employee kind of self-determination, I think is a little bit different because again, there's a reason why credit card rewards points have big marketplaces. They're assuming you won't use them.
That's how they just keep all those points and it costs them nothing. Same with gift cards. Everybody's assuming there's a breakage fee, which there always is. And so those are just wasted money, in my opinion, versus trying to have somebody do the awesome things you've done for your prior teams. How many managers do you know that have ever done that? You could probably count them on one hand, which means that is not something that is going to work as you scale a company, period. Fair enough. Fair enough. One, one point that you spoke that about you, before I would like that uh, hockey is, is the idea of taxes. I, I've been mm-hmm. a huge proponent for many years of employee recognition tools. There's lots of great ones that especially plug yep. into Slack, like Hey Taco yep. and other ones where you give like a yep. virtual high five and, and things like that. There's one called Bonus Lane that for me has always been head and shoulders yep. above everybody else. We used it in Vision. Mm. And I was consulting with the company a number of months ago, and they were using another one of these tools. And I said, why aren't you using this tool? You should be using Bonusly because the idea, okay, it's nice to recognize Amy. Hey, great job on that sales call or great, whatever. And here's a high yeah. five or a taco or whatever may be in the middle yeah. versus, Hey, give that same kind of high five, but here's $3, here's $5, here's something else. Yeah. And the years of experience in vision, I think I got from, from the Bonusly Apple AirPods and an Apple watch and probably yep. some other, you know, a whole bunch of Amazon gift cards in between. Yep. And for me, it's, yes, that's amazing. I got the high five. I got the credit for my team or my manager or things like that. But the additional, right. hey, actually get something yeah. for me was, was fantastic. So when I was consulting with this company and asking, why aren't you doing this? Or why don't you move to this tool? They said, I think they're an, an Estonian-based uh, company and there's issues with tax. They have to pay tax on these things. And here in yep. Israel, the employee has yep. to pay tax on those gift cards. So yep. for companies that are obviously going remote, one to how do taxes come into yeah. play with that? And obviously some countries yep. like you said, like here, um, and maybe other places in Europe, if you get a gift card or you get a, something like that, you, you have to pay tax on that. I don't think there's a country in the world that doesn't tax gift cards, by the way. So if it's given in the form of a gift card, you have to tax employees and you have to pay your own company taxes as well. The tax issue is a big one, and it's a big part of the reason we wanted to build comps because all these systems that were built out there for employee perks, for recognition, if it's giving something that is either monetary or a monetary equivalent, employees owe taxes on it, and that's not being tracked. You're basically bringing a smoking gun into your organization of here's all the ways we give cash to people or things to people and aren't taxing them. That's a nice little report that the IRS can use and be like, thank you, where's my money and why haven't you taxed your employees? That's a huge issue. So that is something that when we were building our platform, the tax piece was front and center on that because you have to stay compliant and it gets even more critical. The IRS is scary, not nearly as scary as some of the tax, kind of the tax groups in other countries like the UK, way scarier when you're talking about taxes. Oh boy. If you don't do that correctly, they show up with a clipboard and they start taking note oh of okay, those four laptops and then they'll show up and they'll repo your stuff. Like it's absolutely oh, wow. bananas. And I'm like, that is way wow, scarier wow. than the IRS. So you wow, have to crazy. take this step into it. I agree with you that there's like the rewards and recognition piece. I think tying it together is really powerful. Just the rewards piece because it's usually smaller dollars. If, it's, if I just keep getting $3 here, $3 there, that's not as meaningful as the recognition from the team of, hey, why you're getting this. And I think those two combined are very powerful. We actually just launched a peer-to-peer recognition feature on our platform where 
employees can do that, can give each other those bonuses. Companies set the budget for employees, uh, and then employees yeah. can give each other those bonuses, but they have to say, hey, this is why I'm recognizing this person. And then those funds can pool, and you can use them for virtually anything you want. And we're still yeah. doing all the tax tracking and all of that stuff, so it can cross country borders and just be really great way, especially in a remote environment, for people to be connecting at uh, an employee level rather than have it just always be manager to employee. I think it's really important to have that team recognition aspect yeah. as you're building your team and your culture and having that be reinforced as well. Especially with remote benefits, you want to go on a topic based. So let's give the example of maybe mental health. Obviously, very big topic yep. the last uh, year and a half. Every company yep. should have like at the top of their priority list. One of the benefits yep. that I've seen are a lot of you know, apps that you can access a mental health uh, professional via app, one-on-one right. uh, -on -one type meeting. But what happens is in this scenario where it's a US-based product, they have US-based therapists, and mm -hmm. now you have people outside of the US. So you obviously want to offer the mm -hmm. same thing to them, but with this product they're using, you don't have access to that. So maybe in those cases, say, okay, right. no problem. We're going to reimburse you for an appointment that you have. In that case, mm -hmm. is that taxable? And how does that affect where in, in the US, you're just getting access to an app. So you're not, there's nothing, there's no monetary piece involved, but maybe outside of the US. There is. That's taxable. Really? On, on, the, on yeah. the company side? So, or, so if it's not really? going through your health insurance, that's taxable. Yep. That's where all these different perks that are coming in. Oh, wow. It's not just about exchange of cash. It's about yeah. what you're actually receiving. That's taxable. Hmm. So that's a challenge. But going to the concept though, so think about it. You bring in some sort of mental health app into your organization. Yep. You are now saying as an untrained, not remotely qualified, typically HR professional, this is the yep. one way you should deal with your mental health. That well, is course, terrifying sure. to me. I have absolutely yes. no qualifications in saying how my team should manage their mental health. I want no part yep. of determining that journey. They need to work with actual professionals. So what you typically see with those apps, three to 5% of the team will use it. Very small. So you can bring mm -hmm. it in, but it's not gonna actually have the impact. Much better plan, support their wellness and let employees determine, do I want an app? Do I wanna get running shoes? Because just going out and clearing my head is what I'm doing. Am I managing yeah. it through a therapist? Let employees determine that. And that works beautifully globally as well. Instead of getting into, hey, we've got this amazing app that could do harm if it's the wrong app for the wrong mental situation. 100%. That is just- 100%. I, I want no part of that. I'm not a doctor. Yep. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a <laughs> mental health professional. I should not be yeah. determining those things for employees. Interesting. So maybe the tax piece is a real kind of crutch that helps companies move towards this topical base where instead of saying, okay, we're going to give $150 a month um, towards health right. and wellness. And the fact that a mental health mobile app or running shoes or whatever it is are all taxed in the same way. So in that place, the personalization is, is absolutely fantastic. If the tax is going to be saved, you can be right. paying the same thing. Hey, for me, exactly. I have to choose my running shoes and uh, Strava thing and bi-weekly massages right. and someone else is going to choose whatever else. The issue of tax yep. doesn't come to play because they're each paying the same thing. All right. Very interesting.
It is different for each country. So in some yep. countries, that's where it allows for companies to, some things are taxable in some countries and not in others. So it allows companies to manage that mm -hmm. as well so that they can have that flexibility. What we do find is that most of the things that are taxable in the U.S. are also taxable internationally. Yeah. Is the way we look at it. There are some things that aren't taxed in the U.S. that aren't even applicable globally, like student loan repayment. Like, it's just not a thing globally. We like debt in the U.S. No, nowhere else uh, has 50000 to $200,000 a year uh, college tuitions. <laughs> uh, Bananas. <laughs> Yeah, um, a little bit. <laughs> to, that, yeah, to that system broken, we've seen quite a bit of the ideas of Google and Facebook and company looking to deduct yeah. salary when people move outside yeah. of the areas, work remotely. I would really love to see, is it yeah. specifically location-based or is it going to be remote-based? Mm. Because the thought of, oh, I decided to work remotely in San Francisco. I just don't want to commute. I like mm -hmm. doing my thing. I have right. my family. So if now I'm working remotely in San Francisco, are you going to dock my pay? Right. Because I'm not coming into the office. Or are you going to allow me to keep the same salary? Mm. I think there are two conversations yeah. last season about this. But the fact that they're looking to deduct salary, do you see the right. same thing being done for benefits? Okay, well, now that you're not coming to the office and we don't need to pay you as much because now you're living in Boise, Idaho or wherever you may be living, are they going to start looking what we we cut out from the benefits as well, or is it just going to be salary that you uh, that you think is going to be where the cuts are coming? I think the big cuts will be on the salary side, because that is the big ticket item, and you can't adjust health insurance based on location. Your health insurance is your health insurance, and so that's not something, and that's the other big ticket item. So what we have seen is there may be a difference between in office and remote. But I've seen it go both ways. It depends on which behavior the company is trying to drive. So maybe more perks for people who are going into office and they'll put commuter benefits and things like that. They're trying to drive people back in the office because they've got a big footprint. They would like bodies in the yeah. building, like all of that stuff. I've also seen the reverse where companies are trying to shrink their footprint and yeah. are offering more benefits, more perks, if you're willing to work remote to help offset utilities, cell phone, internet, wellness, whatever, because they're trying to say, hey, we want to incentivize you to continue working remote. So I've seen it both ways, depending on what the company culture is and which behavior they're trying to drive versus it being a cut and dried, hey, you're remote, it gets cut. I haven't seen that behavior. I'm seeing a shift that it depends on within yeah. a company what they're trying to support. Yeah. So it brings up, I think, my last question, which I, I promised we'd get to. And you, you leaned into it real well here. The idea of companies that are shifting more towards the remote setup. Mm -hmm. I've been a big believer in this concept. I've spoken about it in multiple podcasts. Now the companies are saving thousands of dollars per year, not having an office. Are those office perks? I won't call them benefits. Like you said, the yeah. chef, they keep you there to seven o'clock because we didn't want you to go home or the ping pong table right. and whatever else it may be. Do they get reimagined? The companies say, hey, we're going to take this. $1,500 per employee savings cost. Right. And now take some of that money and give it back to the employee. So there used to be a coffee machine mm -hmm. in the kitchen. Now we're going to give you a coffee delivery thing. There used to be snacks and whatever in the kitchen. Now we're going to give you a, a snack box. Do you see companies that are shifting towards the remote setup saying, hey, yes, we're saving a whole ton of money by not having an office for Britain anymore, but we don't want to lose 
some of those things that keep, kept people in the office. Right. Obviously, the utilities, the internet, I think, should be mandatory across the board. But those little things right. like, like the coffee or the snacks or those little kind of pieces, do companies reinvent that for the remote? Are you seeing that at all? Not with one-off vendors, because you continue to have the issue of not everyone wants the same snacks, not everyone drinks coffee. Even if you do drink coffee, maybe you're very particular about your coffee. So I don't see it as being remote delivery mechanisms for that. What we are seeing is stipends. They may include a food stipend that says, hey, we're going to support. If you want to have that stuff delivered, cool, go do that. The vast majority of the employee perks, especially in the tech industry, because it had the specific purpose of keeping people there, when that gets removed, most employees don't, that, especially as they get older and move into their 30s and 40s, it's not about the food. Like I can buy my yes. own food and quite frankly, I want my own food anyways. But if you're gonna let me use that, I would rather use it for running shoes or massage or yoga or yep. whatever it is. So it's creating more of a stipend based concept where I do think that the concept of perks is really important and it's shifted but now instead of if you have a thousand person company you don't have one office with a thousand people you have a thousand offices yep. you cannot manage yep. that internally as a company mm -hmm. you have to allow for the employees to personalize on their own and the only yep. way to do that is with stipends because otherwise like you're going to have an entire massive team dedicated to who's got what address who's signing up for what subscription and all of that is taxable like mm. <laughs> that's the way that works. You get a coffee delivery system at home, yep. that's taxable. Snack delivery at home, that's taxable. So mm. instead of doing that, give the employees the freedom to flex between cell phone reimbursement, which is not taxable, to yep. you know, childcare, mm. to whatever it is that you want yep. and what you need in your new remote work situation. Super interesting. Super interesting. All right. We're gonna now jump into the final piece, another one of the tests of new features for season two of the show. I'm going to give you five rapid fire questions. First idea that comes to your top of your head. Don't need to think oh about boy. it more deeply. You ready to go? All right, let's do it. All right. Question number one, who's one remote leader that you look up to and why? I like Shelby Volpa. So I actually think you probably know her since you wrote Envision, uh, yep. but started the remote revolution early on and building systems and processes in a fully remote and remote first company. And so watching what she does and how she approaches it, it's very thoughtful. It's very meaningful and strategic. And so I follow what she does and I think she's absolutely incredible. Amazing. Question number two might have the same answer, but just in case not. What's your go-to source for tips, tricks, ideas on how to do remote, remote the right way? Yep, Shelby does have a lot of great content, but I'm also looking at all kinds of resources. Like I want to see our prospects. I talk to every one of our customers and our prospects and want to understand what they're doing, which is what every HR leader is doing right now. It's a very yep. dynamic conversation because no one has, aside potentially from Shelby, no one has a playbook. So they're all trying to figure it out for their nuanced team, for their nuanced yep. situation. So it's pulling ideas from other companies and other leaders. So it's a very ongoing conversation. And it's amazing the cool stuff that kind of bubbles up because there's just, you find little pockets of amazing ideas. And so try and pull them together. 
Yeah, I love that idea. It's you know, pulling things and doing it very custom to your company because I've seen multiple companies that say, okay, here's the GitLab, how to do remote. Okay, we're going to do it 100% right. just like this. And obviously it doesn't work because you're not yeah. GitLab. Um, it doesn't your work. It's different. A different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you uh, have to, it has to be nuanced for your team and what works for your team dynamic. Like for my team, doing a virtual happy hour would bomb. Most of my team doesn't drink. Yeah. That's a terrible idea. Like nobody would show up because that's not what they want to do. So you have to do things yeah. that are, you know, customized to your team's environment and culture. Question number three, uh, if a company wanted to go all in on remote now, what mm -hmm. would you tell them should be the first change that they embrace to make sure that they do remote work the right way? Ooh, you need to take a look at your tool stack. There's so many great, amazing tools out there for figuring out how you communicate in that new environment. It's not yeah. replicating an in-office environment with just meeting after meeting. You're going to burn out your team. So it's really yeah. adjusting the way you work. I think really important. So I think looking at your tool stack and how you can get people really efficient, sharing information and what works within your team. Like not, not everybody wants to work with a wiki. Not everybody wants to work with a Slack or a Teams. So it's figuring out how to get the team to communicate in a way that is efficient where everybody isn't in back-to-back -back meetings all day. Completely agree. Question number four, what's one thing that folks get wrong when they talk about remote work? Oh, assuming that it's temporary. Assuming this is just all, we're gonna go right back to the way things were pre-COVID. That's, that ship sailed. Like the idea of spending multiple hours a day in a car to, or a bus or a train to commute, like human beings have figured out, you know what, I don't have to do that to get my job done. So why the heck would I waste 10 plus hours a week of my life for no added benefit for anyone? So I think the folks that think that this is temporary and we're going to shift back chip sale. We've yeah. proven for two years, we don't have to do that. So why would we? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And like question number one, that you already answered question number two with this one, you've answered my, my last question, uh, which was going to be, is the age of having to go to an office truly over? Obviously the both of us believe is completely true. It's done. That ship is sailed. I mean, it depends on the industry. Yeah. It depends on the industry. There are some jobs where you do have to be in person. I get that. And I think there are some people who want to be in person. Yes. So I think there will be pockets, tiny pockets of companies that are an in-office first culture, and they will eventually find and attract those people who want to be in office first. The question yeah. is, do they die before they find those pockets of people? <laughs> because so many people are going to be leaving those companies and there's so yeah. much flexibility out there. And it's not a privilege to have flexibility. It's a right. And so 100%. it's, will those on-prem like companies, are they going to survive long enough to find yeah. their, the hundred people out of the entire country that want to be in that environment? Yeah. I'm not so positive about that. Uh, I think this is the, the yeah. blockbuster moment where the future is crystal clear that it's required flexibility and any company that doesn't say, Hey, we need to embrace this like Netflix. And, and cloud to me that's the end yeah how can people find uh, out more about you and about a comment check out our website www 
www.compt.io. Lots of information there. Or they can reach out to me, amy at comps.io. Fantastic. Amy, thank you so much uh, for joining the show today and sharing uh, the information. I certainly learned a lot, especially around the tax piece, which had no idea that access to a mobile app that you get as a benefit is taxable. And I think that certainly solidifies that idea of the, the topical based things where if one person's going to get taxed and one person's not, then maybe it makes sense to try to give everyone the same type of thing to potentially avoid taxes. But hey, if all this stuff is taxed, hey, just give them access yep. into an umbrella and say, hey, whatever works best for you, for me, that solidifies the point. Awesome. So again, thank you so much. And uh, until the next episode. Everybody. Thank you. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning into today's episode of Leading from Afar. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can learn more on our website, leadingfromafar.com, and subscribe to the podcast in your favorite app. This podcast is all about you, the remote leaders. We'd love to hear from you with your feedback or ideas for future topics and remote leaders we should be speaking with. Mm -hmm.